I wouldn't touch one hair on his goddamn little head. I love the little son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd do anything for him. Any fucking thing for him. long as I live, she'll never let me forget what happened. Hello, listening people. Hello. Ooh, we're back. Back in spooky, almost in September, November. Spooky November. And we're back as a show. We've been off the air for a little while. Who's we? Well, we're spin Polish, like in Lucas, always spinning, and we both happen to be Polish. I am one of the hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I am Bartek, the other host. And we're both Polish. Yes, and, and spit. And we're both back. Yes, I'm back your ring. You do have a spine again. Yes. One of the reasons that we had to take a large break was because Bartek had to get his spine checked We up. were going to have a it's... short break because Ryan was getting married, but then I had to have surgery, so it was a long break. You had to have surgery on your back. How's your back? Good. I can stand up straight. Ish. For small periods of time, you can sit down <laughs> and then you have to get up. So if Bartek has to mysteriously stand up in this I'm podcast... I'm five minutes of sitting right now. He's at five minutes. He, I'm he, timing with my watch. He, he has to get up at so, some point. So if you hear beeping, that's my watch and I'm sorry. And it's his watch saying, stand up or your spine will implode. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got married yeah. and my spine is fine. Uh, I'm, I'm a rapper now. Um, at my wedding, instead of uh, instead of vows, I rapped. Can you imagine that? I just dropped some sick beats. I'm like, okay. Did you beatbox? Uh, well, I didn't beatbox, but we were all beatboxing internally, like our hearts. <laughs> you um, could hear the music in your we words. Could, we could hear it, yeah. Take that, um, Eminem. Can you do that? Eminem can do Venom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not as good as Eminem. I'm not claiming that. Eminem and Eminem, mm. M-M-M. Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> so, Bartek, we're back. We're doing our show, Pictures Powwow. Yes. A show in which we cover a movie that has been recommended, whether it has been recommended by you, by me, or the listening people. And those listening people, you know, they can email us or tweet us or message us on Facebook to say, hey, you should do this movie and we'll add it to our list of movies. Yes, and we're currently in Spooky Month. Yeah, well, we, we, we stopped halfway through Spooky Month and then we are left with a spooky movie to still cover and we are like, well, we'll cover it when we come back. And now it's November and that movie is The Shining. Yes, we promised. And, um, yes, a listening person, fellow podcaster, Sean, from the Colombo Confab podcast, or the Best Pictures podcast, mm-hmm. uh, recommended that we do The Shining. He, 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 he's great. Uh, he's, he, he recommended it in terms of, I want to know if anyone under 30 actually knows this movie and appreciates it. That kind of very much like, I was there at the time, but do the younger people actually recognize this film for its brilliance because that is a great point to bring up a lot of people you know we we kind of a lot of people of our generation Bartek may not have seen The Shining but know of it due to its pop culture reputation I yes, mean I was one of them we were talking about The Simpsons just before we started recording mm-hmm. proper and The Simpsons has a whole episode where it's just like you don't need to see The Shining yeah, a whole, you've seen The Simpsons a whole third of an episode because it was a segment of the Halloween but it episode, felt like yeah. the whole episode <laughs> it's it's pretty memorable I, I struggle to remember The Simpsons sometimes but that one I remember The Shining uh, yeah <laughs> The Shining <laughs> yeah, so it's a great question. So, Bartek, 
what is our histories with The Shining? So you just kind of gave yours away. You're 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 aware of it from The it, Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I think I'd probably heard of it before The Simpsons, but like parodies and references in other media is basically how I knew The Shining. So actually seeing it for myself was you know me getting all the nuances. So were you aware it was a Stanley Kubrick film? Yes. Were you aware it was a Stephen King adaptation? Yes, although that took me a while to learn. It's not a recent thing I learned, but at some point I learned, like, oh, it's a Stephen King adaptation. And he did not like the movie very much. <laughs> yeah, I keep reading things online that's like people are misunderstanding. It's like he likes the movie, but he hates it as an adaptation. Yeah, the, I, I have a read, I read the book back in high school. Oh, right on. And they are very different. Um, they sound different from what I read, yeah. I'll give a quick review of the book. Welcome to Book Powwow with Ryan. <laughs> Literary powwow. So the book's great in its own right. Um, he is right. As an adaptation, these movie, the movie is very different. The movie kind of doesn't really care as much about the character-driven narrative mm. that is the book. The book's more about like Jack Torrance and alcoholism. This movie doesn't really bother with that. Like it's there, but yeah, you wouldn't of... really think of this movie as a struggle with addiction. Yeah, some of my expectations going in when I was reading the difference between the book and the film, I'm like, oh, the book kind of did the things that I was expecting. And the book leans way more into its spooky supernatural demons in terms of like it's much more in my recollection remember i haven't read this since high school so it's been like 10 years yeah it, it was felt more like yeah they're demons um while in this movie it feels like you could see them in a multitude of ways everyone online that i've been reading just say ghosts ghosts in general but yeah. there's a whole plethora of interpretations psychological things is it the indian burial ground like all this yeah. kind of stuff is tied into it but the book it's like the maze literally is a monster that attacks them mm. so <laughs> that kind of thing so it's like i like the aspect that the book is more of a character driven thing but i also like the fact that this movie doesn't lean as blatantly on the supernatural as the book does so it's one of those things so my history is i have of course seen the shining the movie um, many times. I'm a huge Stanley Kubrick fan. I mean, I'm a fan of his movies. Um, him as a person is a different question altogether. Um, so yeah, I've seen this many times. And like you, Bartek, I, I, I absorb this in pop culture as well. Like, I, I didn't see this until early high school, perhaps. Uh, maybe a bit earlier. But that Simpsons episode is a real it's a definitive <laughs> breakdown of The Shining. There's no point of trying to do a parody of the shining ever again or ever the simpsons did it that's that's my that's my hard take i don't know how you feel but the simpsons mm. just nailed it so bartek having now seen the shining for the first time um how did you feel i liked it i, I liked the characters the acting I, I liked watching it the atmosphere was great there was there were a couple of things that i'm a bit iffy on um but overall i can say i enjoyed the film Mm, nice. I, I kind of stick to some of the things I'm iffy on, but but overall, viewing experience, very fun. Now, of course, before we delve deeper, we are talking about the extended cut, is it? The the two hours and 20-minute so cut or whatever the it one, is. From what I read on the Wikipedia page, the, theat the, pr the premiere one was like two hours 26 then there was a two hour 23 and then there was a two hour one and there was a 90 minute one for for the uk because they are a lot more stringent on their uh, uh, the shortest one that wikipedia listed was two hours 
No, there was a 90-minute one for the UK okay. uh, uh, because, or for a time, because, uh, or like 95, because they uh, were harsh on um, their this, rating system. Was this back in the day of their video nasties or whatever it was? I think so. Yeah. Maybe a bit before. Yeah, but the one that I ended up watching was the 2-hour 23, which mm. I think's the one that everyone watches. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're basically, they're all basically the same movie in mm. regards, except for they're just slightly longer or slightly shorter, but they're all great cuts for the most part, I would okay. say. Uh, but uh, we're talking about, yeah, the one that Bartek watched, um, or the extended one, whichever one. So Apparently, one. this the nuance of this one is that it cuts out a hospital scene at the end, and that's it. Ooh, the hospital scene. No, so... We're going to be talking about it in depth. Spoilers, so if you haven't seen The Shining, go away, come back. I mean, if you haven't seen The Shining and you're listening to this review, you've had, I don't know, how many years? 40 years? <laughs> As of next year, yeah. So, come back, listen to this. So, you liked it, but you have some things that you're mm, a little niggling on. Yes. So, for me, I respect this movie quite a lot, but do I like it? Yes, I do. It's one that's grown on me way more over the years. I feel like that would happen to me too if I watch it again, yeah. I prefer other Stanley Kubricks. A lot of people consider this one of his best movies or his best. Um, it's definitely one of his unappreciated movies because it wasn't very well received when it came out. It got nom- He got nominated for a Razzie yeah. as a director. Mm. That's insane. Can you... <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, the Wikipedia entry, when it talked about, like, the reception, it was like, these people hated it, but then ten years later, they really liked it. Yeah. Like, even Roger Ebert. Yeah, Roger Ebert is a classic example. So, I like this movie. It grows on me more and more uh, as I watch it, but I still consider it one of Stanley Kubrick's lesser films for what I'm looking for. I prefer stuff like A Quark Quark Orange, Full Metal Jacket, uh, Doctor Strangelove. Love Doctor Strangelove. uh, Paths of Glory, stuff like that. Um, but this movie is still great. The thing about it, though, is at this point, it's kind of impenetrable. It's like everyone's discussed this movie. There's literally a documentary about everyone's theories on this movie. That's yeah, insane. 237, I think it was called. And it's like, how can you talk about this movie anymore? It's like Citizen Kane. It's like Casablanca. It's like all those great movies where it's like everyone's... Or 2001, Space Odyssey as well. Like, you know, everyone's had their discussion on this movie, so what is there to say? And I think that's one of the reasons why, for me, I'm kind of a bit stand back of The Shining too, because it's just so revered. Mm. So when you actually watch it, you're like, oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, it's just Jack Nicholson having fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Jack Nicholson. I love that guy. But he is overselling the shit out of this and I love it like that's what the thing Stanley Kubrick I mean uh, Stephen King hates about this adaptation is and he's right Jack is supposed to start out as a good normal guy and then descend into madness but Jack Nicholson is one of those guys who's already fucking crazy like as soon as you meet him there's something off about him immediately out of the gate and then it's just like he just Escalate for me. For me, like the first scene, I was kind of all right with him, but then in the car, <laughs> he's like, You see, he's seen it on TV. That so, was where I'm like, Okay, <laughs> see, it's all right, he's seen it on TV. Or like, just when daddy talks to him, and he's, he just doesn't respond, he just hates that kid so much. But he'd do anything for him, he'd do anything. I love the little bastard, <laughs> I love him, Lloyd. Um, so Bartek. Mm-hmm. Not only so when you walked into this, 
you were aware of its reputation as one of these... It literally, on its poster, says a modern masterpiece. I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you feel walking into it and walking out of it with that kind of reputation and prestige behind it? And it being a Kubrick film, who in itself adds extra layer of prestige. Mm. Yeah, so... I know that in the past there have been many things that like I'd seen in pop culture so many times and when I finally watched it, it it was this whole thing of like oh now I see the nuances of how it actually plays out so I was walking in being like there are going to be things that like all the parodies didn't you know really cover so like I didn't even know the setup of like why he was looking after the hotel or anything like that so I learned that. And immediately that was something new for me to learn about. And I, I knew that there was a whole thing, like he has a wife and a son, but I didn't really know what their characters are like. It was just in my head, like, oh, well, I guess they're Marge and Bart, but <laughs> no, they're not. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was fresh for me, despite yeah. the fact that I knew some iconic imagery. And, like, even one of the things I know is that, like, you know, there are the, the, the sister ghosts. Yes. And the... there's the scene where he's, like, on the tricycle, he sees them in the hallway... And they say that line and like, yeah, I, I know about this. But then I didn't know about the face the son makes when it cuts. Oh, when he's shocked. <laughs> his shocked face. It is one of the great child performances of all time, I would say. It was great, but I, I did find myself laughing quite a number of well, times. Well, that's the thing. I rewatched this, not last night or recently, actually, Bartek. I rewatched The Shining a couple of weeks ago. I saw it projected on the big screen in a 4K release because uh, Dr. Sleep's coming out or has come out. And I got to see it on the big screen for the first time. And people were laughing consistently throughout mm. the movie because Jack Nicholson's quite funny. And that kind of stuff's funny. And I think, like, it's that thing of, it's like when The Exorcist got re-released, people found it really funny because that era of horror isn't what we're accustomed to anymore. We're not accustomed to these slow burn reactions. We're more accustomed to a thing jumping out at you and going, boo, or, hey, it's me, Vincent D'Onofrio, and I'm going to be on Skype telling you about Bagul. Like, we're used to more in horror being told directly what the fuck's happening. And in The Shining, you don't... You get that. You actually get that yeah, at the very yeah. beginning. But it still doesn't help you. Like, when he's like, oh, yeah, he murdered his uh, his wife and two daughters, and he's giving him the whole layout of everything that's going to happen, you still come out of the movie like, what the fuck? What? Like, like, in a good... For me, a good way. I don't know about... Yeah, I, look, I'm not saying that I laughed my whole way through. It was just, like, little moments with the wife and the son. Like, I didn't... Obviously, oh, yeah. obviously, Jack Nicholson, it's Jack Nicholson. You're going to like laugh a little bit, but I didn't really find and I think him consistently funny or anything like that. I found Jack Nicholson, cons- not consistently, but he, he, he had funny moments that I feel were very intentional, like when Lloyd appears. Yeah. And he's just like, hiya, Lloyd. Like this, and he's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, this yeah. weird There's... pseudo transatlantic performance he's giving where he's doing that weird it's, like old timey <laughs> accent for no reason or that way he clips matter of speech and I'll, you're like what yeah. the hell I was gonna doing? I was gonna say funny in the way kind of like vampires kiss with Nick Cage like he's going crazy but it, there is like some element of comedy and there's a reason yeah I'm actually curious to hear what you found funny about the the, the wife Shelley Duvall's character because you mentioned Danny you know he's a kid and he has fun weird reactions or his little friend yeah 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 which is very weird but like Shelley Duvall what's... It's, yeah it's, it's not that I found her like you know a barrel of laughs the whole way through but there's just like little physical movements like there's just before the scene where she sees the um 
the guy in the bear or dog suit like yeah, blowing yeah, yeah. the guy like the way she's like moving around while she's running up the stairs it just kind of looked a bit funny puppety to me yeah i think see i find i'm very i find, I find that very curious because i didn't find her very funny i didn't find that funny at all i found it genuinely uh, oh, uh, like it's engaging it, and she is her performance fits the character i'm not saying otherwise well, yeah is it a performance? Because do you know about the behind the scenes of how Stanley I, Kubrick just the, basically heard treated it, her like garbage? I've heard it, yeah, the enforced method acting, I think it's called. <sighs> That's the thing i got to say about The Shining. As much as everyone loves this movie, one of the things that holds me back from truly loving it is the fact that Stanley Kubrick uh, cost this woman her, her, her mental health. Like, she mm. is very much not okay from this experience, and maybe you he can did tell, but di- worse director then. <laughs> like, like, yeah, worse as a terrible per- person. Like, I, I understand. Like, there's the argument to be made. There's a method to the madness. The art speaks for itself. That kind of thing. I'm usually not very squeamish about this kind of stuff. Like, usually I can do death of the author kind of thing. I can take the text at face value of like she's given a great performance. But there mm-hmm. is something where you just go. Whenever this movie's talked about the the legacy, and then when you bring up the fact that Stanley Kubrick treated Shelley Duvall like a, a piece of garbage, it is often met with the excuse of, "But her performance is really great." Mm, I'm like, "Yeah, it is." But is it worth it? But is it worth it in the long run? And people will go, "Yes," because it's The Shining. But here's the thing: unfortunately, people iconicize and romanticize and and look up to Jack Nicholson in the movie and not her and when apparently I, Jack Nicholson hates that yeah because i agree because when i watch it Jack's great i love Jack as an actor but Shelley Duvall is what carries the movie the whole way through because she's the only character who is human mm. in terms of like you you understand where she's coming from you emotionally empathize with her you understand where she's coming from her and Scatman Crothers are the only nice people in this whole fucking thing <laughs> Yeah, and he is great, Scatman. <laughs> I love Scatman Crothers in this. But so, what were your issues? Because mine are more kind of those outsider things where mm, it's like, like more, more meta production kind of thing. Yeah, and reputation and whatnot. Well, when I actually do watch the movie, I I can sit down and and enjoy it, and I don't have any problems with it in terms of uh, narrative or characters or yeah. stuff. And I'm thinking on my in like future viewings, I'll probably be the exact same. Yeah, it's just like you know expectations and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, though, there is like a mystery element, as in like what's going on, what's causing all the the issues happening here. And I walked in thinking that it was going to be pretty much all psychological. There wasn't really going to be supernatural stuff going yeah. on, which I'm not very familiar with Stephen King, but I feel like maybe that's a foolish kind of thing to expect. <laughs> it is. Given, yeah, like Sleepwalkers and what I've heard about, like, all the other things he's made. Um, so I was thinking that it was going to be a more psychologically driven thing, like... A lot of the weird stuff that you see in the film is going to be... There's going to be an explanation based on, like, characters' psyches and, like, mm. what they've gone through. But then... And Stephen... Uh, not Stephen King. Uh, Stanley Kubrick said that this was a key moment in the film. Like, when he's let out of the pantry by one of the, the ghosts or the spirits or whatever they are. Yeah. Um, that's meant to be the con- confirmation to the audience. Hey, there there are actually entities here. Yeah. So the, that kind of... It was a bit iffy to me when I watched the film, and I, I felt like there was a bit too much going on with that. You wanted more clarity between 
it being a, a, a metaphorical psychological thing or it mm. being a literal supernatural yeah, thing be- is because, what you're saying. Yeah, because it, it is said to be a psychological horror, so I thought there would mm. be a bit more of the psychology going on. Yeah, I understand that. I think also, though, it is one of those typical uh, tropes or kind of structures of a haunted house type movie in which the audience and the characters are led astray of thinking, is it this or is it that? And it's kind of a mixture of both or neither kind of thing a lot of the time. Any other issues that you had or questions or niggling things with the movie that didn't sit with you? Most of the issues are mainly related around that general idea of like the expectations I had going in. Um, Mm. Because actually in the past two months where I've been, you know, recovering and stuff, I have actually watched a couple of psychological, like, mind-screw kind of things. So I was kind of in the mood, like, oh, let's see how The Shining does it. And then when there were a bunch of, you know, outside forces, like, not everyone is exactly crazy kind of thing going on. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit different. Yeah, and I, I can see the argument being made, too, that in the film, you know, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance, is already, you know unscrewed mentally he's already yeah. physically abused his child so the setup and there. and and the setup's there and then you know him returning to drinking and not being able to actually write anything is kind of what mentally pushes him in the literal sense of like the psychological sense of oh it's all these things and the isolationism but also there are ghosts yeah. Um, and the film does go out of its way to show that they exist. And I agree with Stanley Kubrick that once the, the pantry thing opens, that's a clear definitive answer. But for me, what really cements it is once Shelley Duvall starts seeing ghosts. When yeah. she starts seeing them, there's no ifs and or buts. You can't walk out of the film and be like, oh, the, the ghosts uh, could be psychological or metaphorical. No, they are ghosts. Well, see, the thing that... And obviously, the, the pantry thing happens before she sees yeah. the ghosts, right? So... Or I could see, like, a film goer or someone defending this or something go, oh, you know, it could be some other thing about it. But, like, once once she sees it... Mm. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was, like, there was... It's established pretty early on that all three characters have their little psychological stresses, so it mm. wouldn't be too out of the blue for me to have them, you know, start seeing the ghosts. Yeah. It's just that she starts seeing them pretty late in, like it's already the climax. Yeah, and when, when she sees so them, it's the, the weirdest scene in the fucking movie. Yeah, because apparently there is context to all of it, but Stanley Kubrick didn't bother with any of it. <laughs> he didn't want you to know what the photo at the end means. Yeah. I Which mean, is with, the best, one of the best final shots that's something I didn't know about the film. Like, I know, I was reading online, like, oh, a lot of people know without seeing the film that there's the photo thing at the end. I didn't know about it at all. So when that happened, I'm like, well, just one more, all right? <laughs> that's what I really do appreciate about a filmmaker like Stanley Kubrick is, you know, yes, he he was very methodical to the point of monstrous when it came to details. Hmm. And although I criticize him for being very poor to people, to, to act as production assistants, whatever. Except Danny, apparently. Well, he has to be nice to a kid. Um, he's not that evil. But apparently he like went out of his way to like <laughs> Make convince sh- him it was a drama. Yeah. Not a yeah. Um, and he was nice to Scatman Crothers. Uh, because Jack Nicholson loves Scatman Crothers. He was the reason he got in that movie. I've um, s- yeah, I've seen, I've seen Cuckoo's Nest. They, yeah, oh, Scatman. But, uh, there is something to be said still. I don't want to discredit the fact that the joy of watching Stanley Kubrick movie on a rewatch, and in general, is there is so much on the screen to get out of the viewing experience. Like, when I saw it on the big screen, you notice when he's touring the, the hotel... You see 
a bunch of walls covered in those photos that you will see at the end. And so that's why it adds an extra detail of when they do zoom in on that photo at the end, it's not like it's just out of nowhere. It's not like we haven't seen these photos in it's, this massive hotel at all. something glaring that was just under their nose the whole time. Yeah, under yeah. our nose the whole time. And like you go, oh, maybe, you know, if they looked at any of these photos, like <laughs> there could be something there. I love with this movie, the score. Mm-hmm. And how, unfortunately, now horror movies think that they can try and do the score by having that loud, you know... The violin thing. The, that loud violin thing, and you go, no, you can't. Um, there's a reason why it's here in The Shining. De- definitely this film builds up suspense the whole way through. Because I don't think that the music's loud violin screech is used as a jump scare, necessarily. It's used as, a, as like, a bookend to, like, that's the end of that, and here we are on to the next thing. Now it's Tuesday. Now it's four months later, or however long it is. Um, Did four months pass? I thought they were all in the second month. Second or third month, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm just, you know, using a... Uh, using I get what whatever. you But um, with the film, Bartek, we only have a few characters that we get to meet. That's true. Who did you like? Who who did you get drawn to, big or small? Uh well, I really obviously liked Scatman Crothers. We all love Scat. <laughs> Our League Three obviously did a good job, and they were the main characters. Um, thinking about it now, I, I guess I really did like the uh, the Butler Ghost, the, the yeah Grady, yeah 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 Delbert Grady. Yeah, he was great. Not to be confused with the Killer Grady, apparently, which is just another mindfuck thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't notice that until I was reading afterwards. Like, oh yeah, there was a different name. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting. Like, yeah, he was the previous caretaker, yeah. Mm. and uh, No, he was always the caretaker, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, Jack <laughs> Nicholson was always here. I, yeah, I like Scatman. Yeah, Scatman definitely. Crothers Just is so much charisma. <laughs> so full of joy. So that when he comes back to the movie after having a long journey to get back, I also love that he's just a dirty old man. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's got the two post- Afro women. Yeah. Uh, and he's a bit of a player. You can tell he's a bit of a player. Just his mentality. That's, that's you, can tell, a, you can tell he's a bit of a not player. A, that's not a room that women don't get invited to. Yeah, exactly. And I loved his scenes with Danny. You know, you could feel the connection between those two actors. And there's a great behind-the-scenes documentary by Stanley Kubrick's daughter, I believe. And there's just an interview with Scatman Crothers. And he's, like, weeping at the beauty of being able to be in a movie like this. And you're like... Man, Scatman Crothers, I feel it too. Mm. That's why I love the fact that he's in the movie because uh, him coming in as a joyful figure who's still ominous at points, like you know, he he knows what's up. Nothing. He knows what's There's up. There's nothing in that room. He knows what's up. I love, and he knows the history. He knows the sh- shaky shit that's going on. But with Kubrick, a lot of the time, my big con- problems with his movies are they're very cold and analytical. Mm. And there's not a warmth or a humanity there a lot of the time. And that's okay. Like, I don't need that for a lot of the films. But in The Shining, a movie that's so cold and isolated and you feel the cold of the snow and you feel the insanity brewing, you have someone like Scatman Crothers come in and it adds this necessary warmth. Mm. So it's really unfortunate that he dies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he dies. And it's very sudden, too. If he had The Shining, 
Uh, can I get cinema sins on you? Uh, if he had The Shining, how come he couldn't detect that Jack Nicholson was right there? Ding! That's that a minus a point. Well, you can sense things with The Shining. You can sense what's going on. So if he's yeah. in a seemingly empty room, how come he can't sense Jack Nicholson's insanity right there? <laughs> That's a thing, too, you can complain about. The Shining doesn't fucking matter that much in a movie really, called The yeah. Shining. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter because the movie's that great. <laughs> One of the things that I think is worth uh, praising is the the sets and location. Oh man, don't you want to live there? I definitely want to visit there. Yeah, you I don't was... actually want to live there. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really looking forward to when I do rewatch the film is I read that like... A lot of, like, first of all, I didn't realize it was all sets. Like, I was mm. actually convinced this was a real place. Um, they were, they purposely fucked around with the geography and they put, like, windows in places and doors in places where it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. That's something I really want to have a look at because I was sort of trying to get an idea of the layout and there were sometimes it's like, wait, was it like this earlier in the film? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I love that. I, it's great when you got like a good setting. Like I know that's something that gets brought up when we talk about the first Metal Gear Solid. Like the setting is so memorable. <sighs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing too. Like this is a movie in which I could hear someone easily argue this is a movie with style over substance. You know, for for naysayers. You know, this movie yeah. is very stylish, but not a lot happens. And you can actually, uh, it is a very simple story at the end of the day. Jack I, yeah, Nicholson I, just mur- tries to murder his family and he fails. When the film ended, I was like, that was two and a half hours long, but I can kind of think back to all the events, yeah. It's very, and I could see someone saying it's too slow. Like seeing Scatman Crothers go across the country mm. <laughs> and talk to people and come back, I could see that. And well, all I know these that things some all, of that stuff was cut out in one of the shorter Shelley cuts. Duvall just watching TV. It's been a long time since I heard the Roadrunner theme, so that was nice to revisit. <laughs> One of my favourite scenes of Shelley Duvall is at the very beginning when she's talking to the doctor, is it? The, the oh, woman the, the, who's yeah, coming in to check on Danny. Psychologist, psychologist Psychologist lady. Yeah. yeah, her. And she's explaining how the incident happened where Danny had his arm broken, was it? Uh, dislocated. Dislocated. And I just love Shelley Duvall's nervous quirky performance with that cigarette just yeah. burning in her hand. That's a very good character establishment moment, yeah. And it's just such a great performance. Good monologue. It's a great monologue. It's a great exchange. It's a great difference of point. You, you like how she's just such a victim mm. and how she's making excuses. Now, what was your favourite scene of the movie, though, Bartek? Like, your favourite definitive scene? Everyone has their favourite big momenty scenes. Is your favourite the one between Grady and Jack in the toilet, or is there others that stick out? You know, that's a really good question. Um, for some reason, I think I'm really drawn to, and I th- maybe this is a weird choice, but earlier in the film, before the place has even been, you know, abandoned, the tour... Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the tool, actually. Yeah, it was a great setup to everything. I love Jack Nicholson. A lot, of, and... a lot of setups, a lot of red herrings, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and just the guy, we haven't talked about it, but the, the actual guy. The owner, oh, no, like Stuart the, something, Ullman? Yeah, he's great. Yeah. 
he plays it perfect. Like, like he doesn't play it like he's evil or ominous. He just plays it like I'm just a guy who's Very just works, down to earth. Down yeah, considering here, you know? what's like, going on, I got to tell you what's going on. That kind of thing. He's very nice to Scatman. Mm. Uh, you know, I like my favorite scene. It's an iconic scene. You have to appreciate. Give me the bat. Give me the bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene where she comes in and she sees. All work and no play. Yeah, the script. Ah, uh, and th- 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 the you know, manuscript. Yeah, yeah, and how it just changes formats. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, it looks like a script if you don't pay attention to the. Words. She's yeah. flicking through it. It's just, it's insanity. It's absolute insanity. And just Jack Nicholson is, just, <laughs> he's just wound up so high. And he's just so insane. And it's funny and it's scary at the same time because it's funny when he's like, "Give me the bat. I'm just gonna." I just want... I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm just going to bash them the fucking... But it's also terrifying because Shelley Duvall is fucking terrified of her husband. Mm. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I love is the cat and mouse scenes between her and him. Mm. Like, the earlier scene when she comes in and he kind of berates her and tells her to basically leave and never come back here when he's working. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like exaggeratingly typing to get the point across. Those are my favorite scenes where they're the cat and mouse between the two, between those two in particular. Like once she goes to get the snow cat going and he's fucked it already. (laughs) Like, and she's like, oh, it's like them versing each other is a very interesting dynamic because she doesn't want to. And he really does. Yeah. Like from the very outset, he does not like her very much. Definitely after the the scene where she wakes him up and gives him the eggs, like, after that, there's really, like, not much warmth between the two of them. That and every scene with Lloyd. Mm. Lloyd, the bartender, yeah. Lloyd is yeah. great. Lloyd, you remember who that actor is? No, I don't. He had no. two very iconic roles in the 1980s, The Shining mm-hmm. and Blade Runner. Ah. He's Tyrell. Which one's Tyrell again? The head of Tyrell Corp, the inventor of the play of the of the replicants. Right, right, the guy at the top of the tower. Yeah, with the yeah. big glasses. Yeah, I don't know what it was about that actor, but they're like, "You're one creepy little man, and we're going to make sure that you play creeps." I've only seen him, I think, in those two movies, maybe something else, and he's always, as far as I'm aware, the same. I guess the very regal little creepy guy who doesn't do anything to actually be creepy. Like, you don't have a scene where Lloyd is holding a knife menacingly. He is just a genuinely nice gentleman. Mm. He doesn't really do anything. In this film, it's just that he comes out of nowhere and just does his job. Does it? And, yeah. And the fact that he's supplying... He's he's forcing alcohol onto an alcoholic. (laughs) That kind of thing. I love Jack Nicholson in that scene, in particular, where he's just like, I love the little bastard. I just love him. (laughs) He's like... I'd do anything for I'd him. I'd do anything for him, Lloyd. And it's just so, so disingenuous. <laughs> and yet he still believes it in his brain. I don't know. The way that scene is lit, too, with like the, the, the bar being the light source coming up. And it's just so much great shit is in this movie. Visual, the music. Like you said, the setting itself. The Overlook Hotel is one of the most iconic like sets or, or, or set designs. Again, I can't believe it was a set. Like the carpet is so iconic or the fact that there is a lot of Native American kind of artwork and imagery and uh, animal skins on the walls because it's on an mm. Indian burial ground. And like how that's just chucked in there, just a random fact. And it never truly comes back into the plot 
except it comes for, into the big theories. That it comes into big theories because of ghosts, right? But like, like when I heard they mentioned like, oh, because it was built on top of an Indian burial ground. Like my initial reaction to that was like, oh, that's going to be a big deal, and it wasn't. It wasn't. You didn't have like the Native American ghosts coming at them. Mm. You just had ghosts of people who stayed there at one point. Yeah, that's the impression I got. That's and they got stuck there. They either died there or they just kind of had something happen to them there. They really loved the hotel and it became part of it or something. Like the classic weird scene of him actually entering room 237 mm. and there's like the naked lady. Yeah. And then she turns into like a naked old like de- decomposing lady. Decaying lady, yeah. And you're like... And then he comes back and he's like, nope, nothing in there. And you're like... It's like, yeah, well, you think back to Scatman Crowley, he's like, there's nothing in there. Was he telling the truth, or did he know that there was something in he there? He knows. He has the shine. <laughs> Is it always there? Like, that's the question. That's right, Doc. <laughs> like, when, when everyone's there throughout the year, did, if they go in there, is she there? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, how, how, com- like, how aware are the people that work there of what's going on? Because Scatman seems like he's very aware, but the guy, um, Mr. Ullman, he comes across very, like, matter-of-fact. There's apparently a cutscene that actually implicates Mr. Ullman a lot more. Yeah, where... the, the hospital thing I mentioned earlier, right? Is it the hospital thing? From where... what I read, it's like, at the end of the film, there's a hospital scene with Danny, Shelley Duvall, and him, and he hands Danny the tennis ball from earlier in the yeah. film, which implies, like, oh, was he there? Like, he was he... the one rolling it, yeah. And that's one of those things where I'm glad that they cut it. We yeah. don't need that. And I'm glad that that's there's the a restraint there, because it's too much of a, ooh, he's in on it too. Um, yeah, this movie is just, you know, it's, it is a cinematic classic. It is everything you want from an auteur director like Stanley Kubrick. I mean, yes, it has its naysayers. I'm not the hugest fan of it. You know, I still find it a great watch, but it's not one that I want to whack on a lot of the time. It's not one that I go to very much, not even in his catalogue. I think it's, it is, partly is because it is, my issue with Kubrick is, like I said, it's still very cold and detached, and I understand the reasoning for it, but sometimes, yeah, and, you know, it's horror. And, but like I said, you got Scatman coming in to add that warmth and, and, and not levity, but, like, just that... Lev- not levity in the ha-ha sense, but levity in just eternal sense. And But it's still that problem of sometimes when you watch a auto-director and you just notice their, their thing that they do you go, please do it slightly differently. I'm not saying he doesn't. It's just one of those things where it's like, ah, yes, Stanley, you are very much into static, like, you know, very deliberate, slow-paced, cold, methodical, and that is a mood thing. A lot of Stanley Kubrick's are mood movies. You don't just whack on 2001 A Space Space Odyssey Odyssey, (laughs) at a party. You can do that with (laughs) Doctor Strangelove, but here's the thing, that movie's weird too. (laughs) It's a dark comedy, yeah. It's weird as well. Like, it is a weird movie. But, like, I would say The Shining, yeah, it is uh, one of the best uh, horror movies ever made. Was I scared? No. Mm. But I did get unsettled at points. There's something inherently primal within us that's irksome about a father on the murder, who wants to pursue and murder his own family. The scene where, like, he puts... Danny on his lap and like hugs him, says he loves him, but it's it's Jack Nicholson doing his Jack Nicholson kind of thing. Yeah, but he also like, and I don't want to dissuade. He's doing his Jack Nicholson thing, but 
Oh, Jack yeah, Nicholson's one of the best actors of his generation and still today, I think. Mm. Uh, so it works. Like, that scene is genuinely sad and mournful. Like, like I feel he, bad yeah. for him because it feels like he doesn't want to kill him, but he knows he will try later. But also there's the whole thing of, like, he, there's the recurring line of, like, Dad, and it's like, yes, Danny. And then at the end, it's like, Dad, what? Yeah. It's like, he ooh. just glazes over again. Um... I do love this movie. Uh, you know, I do love it. Like, you have to appreciate it for what it is. I wish a lot more... I'm not even going to say I wish a lot more movies are like this. We do have a lot of movies today like this in the genre of horror and suspense and psychological. Oh, yeah. wish, upon. wish Upon. No, you know, je- you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Ari Aster is doing a lot of slow burn horror stuff with Hereditary and Midsummer, and And, yeah, you know, I think horror and psychological thrillers are getting to this point in which, yeah, there's a there's a meticulous art form crafted to it. So I'm not going to say, oh, I wish more modern movies were like The Shining in, in its meticulous nature, because that isn't true. There are a lot of movies like that. Usually when I say I wish movies of a such and such modern day generation could be like the past is when it comes to comedy movies, because yeah, I yeah. feel comedy for, the, for a large majority has gotten lazier. Well, I think horror has stepped up its game. Yes, we still have the jump scare spooky fest of of some movies, the mainstream stuff, but even some mainstream stuff like the Conjuring movies have have still got the jump scares, but they're a lot more reputable and they're a lot more of a fine-tuned, crafted piece of art than just schlocky entertainment. Um, is there any other things you want to mention about the, the movie The Shining, Bartek? Things that really hooked you or things that left you with wanting to talk about more? We haven't talked about some iconic moments, like here's Johnny. Here's Johnny, yeah. Classic scene. Man, we've done actually a pretty good job. We haven't even... I don't think we've been recording for even an hour, and I think we've covered pretty generally everything. Is there anything that I can think of? Um, I mean, the maze at the end when Danny is smart. That's the thing. He's a kid, and he's smart enough to know how not to keep... He's get- aware of his footprints. That That's probably giving him away. He's already been in the maze. He's been <laughs> in the maze before. Like, yeah. Too- oh, um, when I was reading about the film after I watched it... Um, I read that there was, like, a motif of, like, imperfect mirrored images throughout the film. So, like, there's there's the twins who aren't actually twins, but they look like twins. Yeah. Apparently there are some scenes earlier in the film when they were cleaning up the the hotel and the employees were there. Like, some employees looked the same, but if you look closely, they weren't the same. (laughs) And, like, during the interview at the beginning... um, a, a third person enters the room and from yeah. behind he looks like Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like, just, and I think even the photos in, um, in Scatman Crothers' rooms of the two women, they were like facing each other, one's from the back, one's from the front. Yeah, it's, it's all these deliberate little choices that aren't, like, when you say that, it sounds like these are obvious things that you could see right in your face, but it's mm. very subtle stuff. Very, very subtle stuff. That just, you know, it's just there in the background and it's for you to pick up on. And I think the maze's layout is also symmetrical or something. I love that shot where Jack Nicholson's looking at the little miniature maze that's inside the house. Yeah. And and then it becomes... The real maze, yeah. The real real maze, a bird's eye view of the real maze and they're in there. Like, that was... That was good imagery. (laughs) Ah, That's how you'll do a movie! The the scene earlier where I mentioned uh, Jack Nicholson being woken up and he's given, like, eggs. And, like, you see the first 
shot of the long shot of that scene is in the mirror. Yeah. And then the rest of the scene's not in the mirror and everything just seems like completely backwards. Like he's on the right now, but he's on the left. Yeah, they they do a lot of stuff in here. Like Stanley Kubrick breaks the 180 rule at one point with Grady and Jack in the bathroom. Like there's lots of things that are rules that you would expect Stanley Kubrick to strictly follow because he's known for being this methodical dictator of movies is this the movie in which he needed like 147 takes of something i can't remember which movie that was but like there's a I movie in which he, he he needed like 147 takes I think of I, a specific thing i don't think this was this movie but i think i did read that like every take you see of jack nicholson in this film's like the 20th one or something right right to like make him more tired and angry or something yeah. I will say one thing that I find very funny as a behind-the-scenes, just because this is a movie with great behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Scatman Crothers got wrangled into this by Jack Nicholson. He's a big fan of Scatman. Um, and they were like, Stanley, I think, was like, we should get like a stunt double for, for the bit where we hit him with oh, an axe. yes, yes. And Jack Nicholson... With the with the axe. Oh, sorry, you're hitting Scatman, yes. Scatman with yep. the axe and yep. the chest. And Jack Nicholson's like... No, Scatman can handle it. He's Scatman. Like, like he's like being such a dude bro friend. Like, like <laughs> no, but he's my best friend. He can handle it. And Scatman got hit with that axe and had to fall on that hard floor, like, I don't know, like 30 times. And he said, like, it fucked his back, but it was worth it. Like, like Scatman, out of every single person that I've seen talk about The Shining, is the one who loves it the most. Like, like he's weeping. He's crying with joy. Like, he's so, like... He finds like out of everyone, I'm most impa- I'm most moved by the fact that Scatman Crothers is moved by the movie, <laughs> and Scatman Crothers is in the movie because Scatman was a uh, you know, he he was a jazz guy, he was a poetry guy, and he got into acting, and he's probably most known for this, right? And then One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as an actor, mm. I really liked him in the Twilight Zone movie um, in the Steven Spielberg directed segment in which it's like a bunch of old people in an old folks' home. Um, great, great performance. Great, great performance from everyone. There's not a dull moment in this movie for me. Everything flows smoothly. The music's great. The set design's great. The, everything's great. Like, all the iconic moments are still iconic. At least for me. I don't know for you. Once you watched it and you saw the iconic moments play out, like he is Johnny and, you know, all these things, or Red Rum and all that, do they still feel effective and and effectively effective and effectively iconic to you? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I've seen this parodied before. It was like, ah, I've seen this parodied, and you know, this is it being played straight, and I can see why people remember it. And also, like I said, there were so many nuances to this film that aren't covered in, like, you know, the Simpson thing was only, like, seven minutes long. This is a two-hour-and-a-half film, so there was a lot more going on that I wasn't going to expect, so obviously... And I think, you know what? When I saw the scene of, like, the guy in the bear or dog costume apparently blowing the other guy, I actually did recall, like, oh, yeah, I think I remember someone talking about this once, but when it happened, I I hadn't remembered it at all. So and it, it was it's a weird shock. moment, isn't it? <laughs> it is a weird moment, but my, apparently my interpretation was right. It was a gay, you know, affair or something. It was a furry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this, you know, it is a masterpiece. One question I got for you. Mm-hmm. When it reveals what happened to Jack Nicholson, <laughs> the the jump cut of, of the frozen body, of the frozen body, yeah. did you find it funny? A little bit. I mean, I knew of that imagery. But From the Simpsons the, again? <laughs> uh, Simpsons, but also online. I think it's used as like a minor meme for when something takes forever. Yeah. Um, 
one thing that I wasn't expecting was that it was just going to be a a jump cut for a few seconds. Like, I thought, mm. you know, maybe we'd see him, like, fall over for a bit and then it might fade into that. But no, no it was, like, you know, dark, snowy night, jump cut to daytime. He's frozen with that expression. You see, yeah, I flip-flop. Sometimes I find it funny. And sometimes I find it genuinely effective. Like, ooh. For me, it was like, oh, this is how they did it? I think it's the editing is divisive in terms of it's a comedy cut, you could argue, like the hard cut. But also it works as an effective cut to just show the simple, brute, brutal, realistic thing of what happened. Because that, at that point, when they're running through the maze and you have the lights and all of this, it feels very surreal and dreamy and woo. And then mm. hard cut to the light of day and he's just a fucking corpse. Yeah. And, you're, and then you go back to the hotel and you have the music playing, that very angelic, like, sweet... 1920s-esque music and you zoom slowly in on that photo and you zoom down and you have the year it was and you're like what the yeah, fuck does that what the hell does that mean <laughs> you're like what does that mean <laughs> he's always been here though um yeah that's that's all i have to really say about the shining yes it's a movie worth watching it's a movie worth discussing definitely this movie's been discussed Many a times, and you can understand why. You know, Kubrick put a lot of effort in. Yes, he did mentally destroy an actress in the process, and that's not a good thing. That's something we shouldn't sweep under the rug with this. But the movie, you know, it is one of those movies that inspires people to be creative. It inspires thought in what you actually watch as a movie. I would have loved to have watched this movie with my former housemate, Cassie, who was a crazy Christian girl, who, when we watched something like Fargo, she was like, that movie had no point or merit. You say that you've always lived with at least one person who's crazy. Would you want to watch it with all of them? All of them. <laughs> all of them. Hey, everyone, reunion. i got a movie to watch. we got a movie to watch, <laughs> and it's going to be fucking... Uh, it's going to be funny games. <laughs> and at the end, they're like, that was good, Ryan, thanks. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, they would all love it. Yeah. And then your sanest housemate is like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, it, it, me. <laughs> holy shit. All right. Um. Now, Bartek, mm-hmm. I'm going to take us to the plug zone. I'm going to actually... Plug us in to Sean's podcast, the uh, uh, his podcast, not the not the uh, Columbo one. He hasn't given me a promo for the Columbo podcast that I listen to. We'll make, but one. um, I'll make one right now. <laughs> hey, it's me, Sean, and I like Columbo. I and like I'm Columbo, with, and I'm here with my friend Steve. Hi, guys, it's me, Steve. Wow, as a podcast listener, I want to listen to that. Listen today at www.thing. <laughs> no, in all genuineness, I do love the Columbo podcast a lot. They all, I do love uh, uh, Sean's new podcast, the uh, the one I'm going to play the plug for now. Um, you know, Sean, thank you very much for giving the suggestion of The Shining. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Neon, uh, was it? Uh, uh, oh, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Omedetto. 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 <laughs> Should you explain what we're talking about? The, en- the ending of the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion is infamous. Yeah, and it's just, congratulations. Yep, good, good. Congratulations. Woo! And then at the end, main character closes his eyes, smile. Arigato. <laughs> While the theme song plays in the background. All right. Bartek, mm-hmm. let's get plugged in in three, two, one. Plug it in. And the Oscar goes to... 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 Ha! 
Hi, my name is Sean, and I am the co-host of the Best Picture Podcast. Each season, my co-host Eric and I randomly select a year and talk about the Best Picture nominees of that year, with each episode dedicated to a different movie. Did the Best Picture really win? Were there any overlooked movies? Was anything nominated that probably shouldn't have been? Listen to us and find out. Look for us wherever you can get fine podcasts. So we did The Shinin, The Shining. Mm -hmm. If you listening people at home are wanting to suggest a movie for us to cover on the pod, uh, our email address is... Spitandpolished at gmail.com. Yes. Spitandpolished.ed. And you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. You'll find us. Spit Polish Pre on Twitter. You'll find us easy and just, you know, suggest something, you know, if we haven't covered it already. Everything goes on a list. Everything goes on a hit list. And if you're a fellow podcaster and you want to promo your show, email us and um, we'll work something out. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it'll be a fun time had by all. Uh, one more thing regarding the film. Um, was this one of the films that, when we were talking about we were going to do this eventually on the podcast, was this one of the ones that you said, this is on Netflix? It was. It's another Jack Nicholson film that was on Netflix at some point, then when we had to do it, it wasn't any longer? <sighs> Netflix in Australia! I Which swear. Which is Eastwick, now The Shining. Did they have against Jack? Did he do something? I don't know. Jack, tell me, if you did some Netflix, it was he one of those people who say Netflix can't make real cinema? Like, I don't know. Like, Is he friends with uh, Spielberg? Uh, yeah, is he working for the Apple? <laughs> <laughs> the the Apple, Apple one? Um, well, screw it. Marvel ain't cinema. I'm Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, it's comics. Bartek? Yes. It's your turn. Yes, it is. To and suggest a movie. Remember remember the part a few minutes ago when you mentioned old comedies? Yes. I, I've got one. Yes. I do. Yes, I have one. Um, And I, I, I picked this and then I realized, oh, I think this is going to be the oldest thing we've so far covered. Mm. Uh, going down to 1963, I want to do the original The Pink Panther film. Oh, goody. I have all of... Well, not all of them. I have... Most of them were the DVD box set. That's the only one I have on DVD. The reason I have, say, most of, there's, like, some, like, copyright issues. Like, one or two of them were made by a different studio. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have one, two, four, five, seven. Like, that kind of thing. And it really bugs me because it says the Pink Panther Collection. I'm like, no, it isn't. The Pink Panther Collection, in brackets, the ones that we produced anyway. And it's not like the Pink Panther movies, like Pink Panther 1, Pink Panther 2. Like, yeah, it's like Shot in the Dark. Yeah, Pink Panther, Shot in the Dark. I've only seen those two. Yeah, uh, they're all pretty great. Oh, and Steve Martin ones, of course. (laughs) The third one, I think, Pink Panther Strikes Again, is it? It's Or is it the fourth? One of them is where his boss Mm -hmm. becomes the villain. Because okay. he's dr- driven him insane. <laughs> is it the boss from Shot in the Dark? Yeah, it's his boss from most, pretty much all of them after the first one, I think. He's driven insane via Clouseau's crazy antics. <laughs> and he builds a laser to destroy everyone. Um, So the Pink Panther movie yes. with David Niven. He's the lead. They didn't realize Peter Sellers should be the lead. <laughs> yeah. So they have David Niven I in it. Robert, as Robert Wagner's in it too. The wag dog? Yeah, he is in it. Um, waggy. Waggy. Number two is in the movie. <laughs> so, listening people, make sure to check out the original Pink Panther movie. It has the iconic 
theme music. Mm. The iconic Pink Panther cartoon. Clouseau plays a violin at one point. He's less French in the first one. Like, he has a less absurd French accent. He actually has a nuanced French accent. And then in the other ones, he's like, I am Inspector Clouseau. And he's very French. Mm. So, enjoy that, uh, Bartek. A pleasure to be back on the pod. Yes, absolutely. I think this went really well. I think it went well. I hope listening people think it went well enough to review us and rate us on whatever podcast platforming sites allow it. That's a plug for you to do that, listening people. Yep. And if you don't, I'm afraid I'll have to come after you with an axe. Yes. And now we have to announce the winner of the poll we mentioned at the end of the last episode between team wedding and team surgery. Oh, yeah. Remind me how that <laughs> poll was constructed. Um, the winner was team friendship. Yeah, the te- uh, uh, team Poland. Team Poland. <laughs> <laughs> the poll was poll. Um, a pleasure to be back on the pod with you, Bartek. Yes, and we hope you enjoyed... Sp- Wait, no, you're talking to me. Yes, pleasure with you too, Ryan. Pleasure with you too, Bartek. <laughs> Is that our new colloquial terms for goodbye? Pleasure be with you. <laughs> like, Hello, pleased people. I am pleasured. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed Spooky Month. Remember, this was a Spooky Month episode in November. But we could also claim that we did it because Dr. Sleep's coming out. The semi-sequel follow-up. Until next time, listening people, remember to mistreat actress to the point of mental breakdown and you'll be considered one of the greatest directors of all time.